What's going on everybody? This is Malik Prince from Team Xbox and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 158 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Monday, December 19th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we welcome Todd Oxtra from Secret Friends Unite on to discuss the possibility of Xbox introducing a cheaper, cloud-only option of Game Pass. The Game Awards hit record numbers once again, and the high on life is charting incredibly, well, high. <laughs> Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness are extended to an old friend who so often writes into the show, but I was like, man, I miss him. I need to have him on this show. Mr. Todd Oxtra. Hello, sir. Well, hello, Luke. Uh, happy holidays. And once again, I want to say thank you for being a teacher. Uh, you know, you don't get enough love for that. My son loves his the best teachers and my wife was an educator. But thank you very much. Oh, man, that, that was unexpected. And you're you're very welcome, I suppose. Um, it has been holiday time is like tough because, uh, you know, you're 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 dragging towards the end and the kids are squirrely and whatnot but you always have those few kids that they, they either bring you a gift or or whatnot that their mom and dad made them bring but then you always have like the kids that write you those notes and it's just like hey we love you hey you're awesome thank you for being doing this or what and those the words of thanks mean a lot and so i appreciate you saying that buddy thank you Absolutely, Luke. And it, like, it has been some time because I thought about the last time we podcasted together. We typically bring you on to Secret Friends Unite to talk about like DC movies when those are on. We, I, and I think we missed Black Adam. Um, and then we found you on co-op mode. So yeah, I, I think we've got some things coming up that we would love to have you back on for because we, we love to have the voice of people you know that don't necessarily talk about the, that side of the geek all the time. So and, and, and you're a big fan of it. Uh, I am, and it's been a, a tumultuous, a tumultuous few weeks uh, for me as a DC fan. And I talked briefly, I think, on last week's episode because we'd gotten the news that Henry Cavill mm -hmm. would not be returning. Um, and I, it, everybody has been so nice to me because uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a huge Cavill fan. I did enjoy Snyder, but really I just I love the casting of that realm of DC, even though I didn't love every movie or every moment. Um, I was really worried that people would just go out of the way, their way to be rude about it. And in truth, everyone's been like, hey, man, I'm sorry you lost your hero and, and whatnot. And I, I also shared what my wife got me from, for Christmas, which was a, a signed Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, and Gal Gadot Batman Superman poster. So it was just like, it's been a week, man. We got him back in October, and then all of a sudden he's gone. It's, it hurts. It's weird. Uh, it, it definitely is. It's been a roller coaster that's been a bit a hot topic on Secret Friends Unite. Um, some of the redeeming qualities is it sounds like the door is still open for um, those actors to come back into the DC world, maybe not as the same character. And mm -hmm. apparently Ben Affleck wants to direct a DC film and James Gunn is like, 
come on, can we? Because he's an Oscar-nominated director and he's a phenomenal actor. So I, I, I think there's there's some opportunity for those kids. And I think we even talked about this. Um, the Crisis on Infinite Earth is a hallmark of DC. There's mm-hmm. no reason Absolutely. why those versions of those heroes can't come back. 100%. 100%. I, I am very sad to see this universe go that I thought was back on track after the Suicide Squad and Black Adam. But uh, I also think James Gunn's the right person to do it. And we live in a world where I got to see Brendan Routh take up the cave again. I got to see Brendan Routh be another superhero in DC's realm. Uh, and, you know, we also live in a world where uh, Chris Evans played, you know, the Human Torch and then was Captain America for the staple Marvel franchises. And we got our old Spider-Man back recently. It, there's a lot of things that can happen. But uh, I got to tell you, if it wasn't James Gunn doing it, I think I'd be a lot more upset um, but I got I got the four hour Snyder cut and I got a few other great moments of DC that I really love. And DC's always been hit or miss, man. For every the Batman, you get 1984. And so it's like, all right, you know, whatever, whatever works. It's definitely one of those things where I, I think no one can ever say never say never. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes this an exciting time with James Gunn, because I think it's finally DC has a creative lead in charge of DC where we've kind of lacked that. We had a little bit of that with Jeff Johns, but that was kind of half-baked. Jeff Johns was never really in the Hollywood side of things. He was a great comic book writer, but he struggled with a lot of his products projects. I, I hope they don't abandon Gunn the way they abandoned Snyder because they seemingly had Snyder to start it, and that was going to be their Kevin Feige at first. And and whatever the opinions are, not my that's not my, my hill to die on. But they broke their vision, and that fractured vision is kind of what led to this mediocrity in some cases. Uh, you know, really high highs, really low lows, and it's just like, all right, it, hopefully they stick with it because I trust James Gunn. I'm sad I lost my hero, but I love the hero more than the actor as much as I love the actor. So I'm looking forward to whatever they bring for sure. Bring him back when they do Kingdom Come. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Bring him back. Yeah. Find a way. Find a way. And same with Keaton. Uh, anytime you can bring a hero back for a moment, um, I, I think it's great for fans. And there's, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of ways to show. To show. So, nonetheless, let's get into some gaming news, if you don't mind, Mr. Todd Oxtra. <laughs> you don't mean um, to further derail your show? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I'm going to derail my own segue there because I would be remiss if I didn't ask you at the top of our show to plug some of the work that you you do, Secret Friends Unite, Co-op Mode. Share with the people where they can find your content uh, at the top here. Uh, absolutely. Um, we uh, are at secretfriendsunite.com. Uh, folks, it's not a dating website. People have confused that. There's a long story. If you want to know that more, just just tweet at me at Tiaxtra. I met my wife on Secret Friends Unite. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, at Secret Friends U on Twitter uh, and SecretFriendsUnite.com are the two main places you can find all of our things. The great thing about our um, network is we have a Star Trek dedicated podcast with a very devoted Star Trek lead, Charlie Carden. We, <laughs> he, he is, is dedicated. So 
Oh, very devoted. Uh, we have a Star Wars podcast, uh, Holocron Chronicles, by uh, Mark Carabin, the Canardian, uh, and he loves it to death. He bleeds Star Wars like you wouldn't believe. Um, and then we do Co-op Mode, which is our video game podcast, which is funny because Mark is the co-host of that. He's a diehard Nintendo guy. I am a Sony, Xbox, and PC. He's also on Xbox. So we have a very diverse uh, conversations about what we what we love. And then Secret Friends Unite is our main geek media podcast where we don't talk about video games. We don't talk about cosplay. So it's a little bit of everything, a grab bag of comic books, science fiction, fantasy, movies, collectibles. That's so cool, and I've been on uh, Charlie's show for Star Trek. Uh, I've never, I've never been on the Star Wars one, um, but I'm worried because usually in most circles, Todd, I can, I go toe to toe with the best of the Star Wars trivia. Um, <laughs> I don't think because I, I haven't even caught up on Andor, so like I, oh, whew, I would imagine they are living, living life uh, royally over the last two years or so. Absolutely, um, and I will put a good word in for you uh with mark to have you on uh Hawker and chronicles he's always looking for guests so um and i think you guys would have a fantastic discussion i'm i'm sure i would but i gotta study <laughs> i gotta <laughs> i gotta study first i'll tell you what i'll tell you what oh man well todd i'm so glad did you plug your socials i want people to be able to follow you um yeah my, my main one is my personals at tioxtra i don't really do a lot of fantastic things there um, but I would say just check out at secret friends, you, um, you're going to get non, you're not going to get personal bias on that account. It's really going to be more about sharing our content. Our personal bias comes from our individual accounts. So, and if you want my personal bias, you can read more there, but I don't want to lean into that too much. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about Xbox because, um, it's been an interesting year and that's, this is, has not gotten a lot of talk outside of the extracurriculars. The gaming pace, place uh, space of Xbox has kind of been a little bit on the back burner. So I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, to get more into that. Well, I think we should do just that. And thank you for the assistance on the segue there, because I want to talk about the Game Awards, the record-breaking viewership of that Game Awards, and how Xbox was not at those Game Awards. Uh, it was announced this past week, Todd, that historic numbers for game awards in 2022 they hit 103 million viewers which is staggering to say the least that's up 20 percent over 2021 which was at 85 million and in 2021 they only grew by 3 million from 2020 of 83 million so uh for a show that uh, is coming up on its 10th show it started in 2014 it almost hit 2 million in 2014. Now we're at 103 million. Uh, pretty substantial audience, to say the least. What do you think? Um, that's an amazing accomplishment, considering. And, and Luke, I don't know if you go back to the original video game awards or whatever they called it when it was on Spike TV. Um, I mean, that was on a network, t a cable network, per se. But, you know, you could get people to tune in for that. But to have people tune into a streaming only event on a diverse amount of channels is amazing. And I don't know where those numbers are coming from. If they've done things internationally to um, get, get more recognition of the award show, obviously it's done at night in the U S so you'd have different time time zones. You'd have to go over internationally, but you, you don't grow that much by um, not doing something right. That's amazing. It, it is amazing. No Schick hydro man to be seen. Uh, we saw celebrities there. I mean, poor Al Pacino couldn't read, but that was, you know, funny. Um, it, it was wild to 
to watch the game awards, to see some of the reveals, to see some of the things that weren't there, uh, maintain their absence. I was really expecting a few, I guess, showcase moments that didn't show up. Uh, and I, I've, I infamously got crucified in the old social spaces for saying <laughs> we needed to see more awards at the award show. Uh, and everybody came from my throat saying, no, they want more trailers. But for one reason or another, people tuned in on this one. Uh, I'm curious, though, Todd, uh, on the periphery, you're a lot of times when you write into XCP, your questions are are uh, based in such a way that you and I are different kinds of gamers. And I'm curious, not seeing Xbox at the Game Awards, uh, either in you know major nominations, not a ton of nominations there, uh, at least not next to Sony with their AAA first party. And then not seeing kind of new announcements or showpieces. We just saw a few shots of, of Phil Spencer. I'm curious, what was your takeaway as far as Xbox's presence at the Game Awards? It was really disappointing because Phil Spencer was there, but he didn't look like he was really enjoying himself, um, which is a shame because Phil is typically his persona is one of just enjoying of our, our, our genre and, and the, the industry as a whole. And typically Xbox has leaned into using the game awards as a great place to really showcase something awesome about Xbox. Um, we got the reveal of the series X in uh, it would have been what 2019 versus, you know, coming into 2020 uh, with that. And then we've got Hellblade the following year, the sequel to that. And it was something to make you think, wow, um, Xbox is going to have a great year and this is just their way to kick it off and, and bring us in there. This year, considering the lack of first-party releases, excluding Pentiment, uh, which I would say is more of a, a smaller indie-like game, um, to not have anything there. They had some great DLC releases as well. Um, but to not have anything when you've held off and said, well, next year will be the next big year, and to not share when they're going to share more of their games... It's really disappointing as an owner of of Game Pass where you always say the thing that puts Game Pass separately is it'll be first party day and date and not having that and not having a roadmap of. And and I remember when they did Xbox did their event in June of last year, they said everything that you see here will be coming out by um, in 12 months. Well, we're halfway through that and not much is launched and they haven't even given us dates for new games. So it makes you feel like is there something amiss at Xbox? I know they're dealing with the merger talks, but I would hope one of their tactics is just saying, we'll show them we don't have any games and we'll get our merger approved because we'll just say, we don't have anything. We can barely make our own games. I hope that's not their their their, their tactic because that's silly. They're, that's that's really sacrificing their fan base to get a merger approved. So I, I hope that's not true. I don't think it is. Um, and I, I don't want that to be an excuse for anything. But um, I, I was disappointed once again that we just really we just got Game Pass commercials and that was about it. And that's that's a little frustrating as a as an owner of a console where you say, why do I buy Xbox? Is it just for Game Pass? Well, that's fine. But then it's like saying, well, it's then Netflix, essentially. You've got a lot of content, but you don't have those AAA games. You don't have the day and date biggest games. Um so I, I am disappointed because I, I, I want to play Fable. I want to play all these other games. I want to play Starfield and not knowing when they're coming. It, it's a little it's a little disappointing. So I fully agree with everything you said word for word. I think I've said I've shared similar sentiments in previous episodes. My question then becomes, 
if right now, or rather I should say, if in 2022 Game Pass was a thing they were trying to sell you, but they did it without, or they're trying to do it without um, first-party AAA experiences, were the day-and-date games that dropped into Game Pass enough? We'll talk about High on Life in a few minutes, because that hit some really impressive records. Um, but I mean, like, Shredder's Revenge dropped in, Immortality, uh, Pentiment, Plague Tale Requiem, Oh, goodness gracious, there were quite a few others that dropped in uh, through the course of the year. A few that I'm, I'm not, like Citizen Sleeper dropped in there. Um, Total War, I think, dropped in there. But there's a lot of day one Game Pass games that went into Game Pass this year that I think people checked out, and that was the benefit of the service. Uh, is that not enough? And my answer is to myself to that question is no, it's not. But it certainly feel like it satiated a lot of people. People say I had stuff to play. Um, that's true, but I, I think, and I'm a little bit older than you, and I always say this, um, I don't want a lot of games. I want the best games. Um, mm. I want quality over quantity because game, like to, to filter through all the Game Pass games, um, I'm going to check this game, I'll check this game. Nothing grabs you. You've essentially wasted your time. Not saying you waste your time, but I feel like you haven't invested in something that is going to bring you joy. And that's what gaming should be, bringing you joy regardless of the size of the games. Now, I would say I've enjoyed quite a few games on Game Pass this year. Tinykin, great game. It's like a Pikmin, has a fantastic uh, art style. It's really wonderful. Um, people should be checking that game out. Um, Shredder's Revenge is phenomenal. I need to finish that game. Um, I need to play it co-op with other people. Um, but I always feel like those games are kind of like appetizers or uh, palate cleansers in between the main courses. And without the main courses, um, it, it just feels like it's lacking um, from a perspective for a console holder. I, I would always veer to Nintendo, and you and I kind of have similar feelings on Nintendo. It's like they succeed despite themselves at times in regards mm-hmm. to their their approach and and the, the, in what they do. A lot of times people will just buy whatever Nintendo puts out, which is, you know, it, it's, it's probably not a fair statement, but it does seem like they don't have to do much to get people to buy their games, uh, regardless of quality, even though they typically are good quality games. Um, but imagine if Nintendo did not have any first party games in a year. That would be seem like a different discussion, right? It would. Absolutely. And so I, it just seems weird that Xbox, and, and maybe it's the fact that Xbox has done such a good job with their marketing of Game Pass, um, the goodwill they've created with all of their backwards compatibility, all the improvement of their games, that they've bought goodwill and people are still saying it's coming, it's coming. 2023 years is going to be the game. They bought studios, they've invested. Um, I just don't know how long that goodwill lasts. And for me, um, Xbox has definitely been my least played console uh, this year, my son's enjoyed Game Pass on his PC, um, which has been kind of nice. Um, but um, and I am curious um, where this it, and I think you, we've all kind of, I think you even made a comment about this, that PlayStation put their year in review in, Nintendo did as well. And Xbox hasn't. They haven't mm-hmm. done one since 2018. And yeah, I think you even said because they don't really want to showcase that they really don't have any first party games that would dominate their lists. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I said, and I, I stand by that. Uh, I I lament that we don't have a year in review, per se, from Xbox. I know we had that anniversary review. We got to go through our own histories, uh, kind of walk around. I think that was last year. Maybe it was the year prior. Yeah, the museum I, piece, right, the interactive museum. That was very cool. That, that was super cool, but you know, if you were to go back and look at the year in review, the majority of what I played was third party, uh, I, and I, there's, there's no way around that. The majority of most people's lists have to be third party 
in, in terms of, of all that they're providing, especially in a world where they're giving you so many games day and date into Game Pass and giving you so many options of games to play in Game Pass. Um, you want the best games. I'm, I'm the opposite. I want... Uh, lots of different games with lots of different experiences, but my lifestyle is a bit different. You know, I'm, I'm no children and I, I come home. That's what I look forward to doing. I make content specifically about Xbox titles. I want lots of different experiences and those experiences would not highlight very many first party events, uh, particularly when the first party stuff that's been provided is either expansions to Forza Horizon or, um, excuse me, or like games like Pentiment, not for me. To, to get that to, I mean, I, I, to revisit your point about, you know, the year in the review, um, considering MLB, the show has been a huge success on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that would be some of the, the most played games of the year. And it would be from Sony, which is just yeah. crazy. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I, uh, I look forward to, though, kind of seeing how this pans out as far as what 2023 brings. I think a lot of people are saying, let's look to- forward to the next year. And while I respect that consistent meme, um, I don't I, I have to think that games are coming out. We've got Redfall and Starfield, but it needs to be more than just Redfall and Starfield. Neither of those games uh, really gets me going. I'm not really overly excited by either of them. That said, there have been plenty of games where I've not been excited until just the, just when it comes out and then I'm all in. It just happens that way. Starfield looks like it could potentially be that. Redfall, I, I don't know. Um, but Xbox really needs to deliver in a AAA capacity. And because they didn't show anything at Game Awards, I'm greatly concerned that they only have Redfall and Starfield for 2023. And that, to me, uh, tells me that management... Uh, and curation is an issue at Microsoft. But, I mean, maybe they are holding stuff back because of the merger. That would just be, in my mind, a strange and, and poor choice. But, you know, armchair analyst here. What do you think about um, them securing kind of those uh, third-party, kind of B-tier, I don't know, single-A uh, games that can be day and date that you know you normally have to pay sixty dollars for, but they put it on their service. I think of like Outriders, um, mm-hmm. you know that year when that game came out, that did great. That did great business for Outriders. I think a lot of people enjoyed playing that game, and they were very happy. Like, hey, I didn't have to spend sixty dollars to try that game because it's on Game Pass. This year, I feel like there were opportunities where they could have gone after certain games, um, and and had that same kind of effect to say, hey, we may not have big first party games coming up, but we're going to give you some you know, very quality, big games, and we'll have those to stem the tide. I, that's where I felt like it was a big disappointment, too. It's something like they didn't shore up those type of releases that I think would make people feel like, wow, I saved $240 this year because I didn't have to spend money on those games that I'm not 100% sure of playing them. And they typically seem like they are very good um, for the publishers of those games, too. But I don't know. What do you think about that? So I'm all in on double A uh, and, and indie like games that are coming to the service. I know Evil West was one that I um, was really hoping would have come to to Game Pass, but we've seen a lot of double A experiences. Plague Tale Requiem came through. Uh, there were a couple double A's earlier in the year that are just I'm just blanking on right now and embarrassed to be doing so. But I love when that happens. I don't know if it was Dying Light. I'm not sure. Um, I love when double A games come to the service because I enjoy frequenting those, but 
the counterpoint there is that you just told me a few minutes ago, you prefer the best games and those double A experiences won't be that. Um, so I'm, I think it's great when you've got that, but you do need pillars to this major service for sure. Game pass is a service that, that missed its more, it's intended, uh, yearly target by about 45%. And this kind of takes us into our next topic, oddly enough. Uh, Game Pass didn't do as well this past year as they wanted to. And Microsoft's been sending out surveys to, to users in a couple different countries, Ireland, Spain, that have kind of probed the idea of a cloud-based only, a cloud-only tier of Game Pass that is cheaper. And to me, that is that is an enticing opportunity because why wouldn't you miss your yearly target of growth and engagement if you don't have pillar triple a franchises uh, that makes perfect sense why game pass wouldn't grow it's fine to fill out your catalog but you do need tentpole moments you need your god of war ragnaroks you need your ghost of tsushima your last of us you need that and that's something sony does well and Sony is dominating the market right now, 70% to 30% in terms of overall market share. This is kind of new. This is information we're getting kind of out of the merger uh, deal that Sony's the market leader by a great margin. And Game Pass is meant to be the great equalizer, but there's they lack the third party elements to make it the must have uh, must have service for those who who want the best games. For me, it's must have because I want lots of experiences. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it is interesting. I've, I've kind of said there's going to be a transition on Game Pass to go from X number to Y number. Um, I don't know $15 a month gets you there. Um, but I think what can get you there is replacing Xbox Gold Live with a option at Game Pass at a lower price tier, kind of like similar to PlayStation Plus. Their, their basic tier gets you online those couple of games for essentially 60 bucks a year. Um, I think it's a very easy to go and cancel Xbox Gold Live, um, honor subscriptions until those run out, um, but then create, I call it Game Pass Cloud or Game Plus Stream, like they mentioned, $5 a month, gets you Xbox Streaming, of those games plus the online element and you get rid of that pesky games with gold and you're really not losing anything because I think we all know and then it also gets those Xbox One players who still don't want to get a Xbox Series X so they can play the, the you know the next gen games um, you get people in the door uh, to, to try out the service at a low cost and and they'll, it'll be like it's good on it's it's good enough on cloud but it's better with the Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate. So I think that's where they're probably going to have to pivot to grow to that bigger number, if that's truly what they want to do. If they want to grow um, and, and get the biggest base they can get on, like, Samsung TVs, um, you know, they have, I think, both the 21, uh, 2021 and 2022 Samsung TVs now support it. Um, it's Five bucks a month is pretty easy to get people in the door to try that out. Um, Fifteen bucks a month, that might be a little harder. Right. I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, do you think that having a cloud-based element or a cloud-only element uh, is going to be good for gameplay? Like, do you think that is a worthwhile... Like, is somebody going to want that if they are... I don't know if the right words is it, A hardcore gamer? Uh, I mean, I play a lot of games on mobile now, and I'm playing a lot of cloud-based stuff, and it's it's getting pretty good. I, but I don't see myself winning a whole lot of whole lot of gears and halo matches if that's the case 
Yeah, and I'm curious if that's really where they want to go. I think the hardcore is going to play the best way they can. Um, and there's a service for that. I think that's why it's great that Game Pass Ultimate and PC, Game Pass PC, is now available for that audience, which I think has been severely lacking. The PC audience is so fragmented, um, and I think they they just need to understand that's a great deal, and all these games are coming, especially with the the Riot editions that have been built on. I think that's a phenomenal addition to, to, to the value of that console for, or a service for PC, um, where it's always been kind of a, considered a secondary service uh, for Game Pass. But for those, I think, that want to try out Game Pass, uh, I think it's an excellent option. I mean, on your phone, I have a Razer Kishi for my Google uh, Pixel. Um, I, I think adding a just any type of Bluetooth controller, I think now is supported on Game Pass, on your PC browser, um, on my... Well, LG doesn't have it yet on the for some reason, but Samsung does. So I think it's really... It's not for that audience, but I think it's good enough for most people to get a feel for it and try it out and see that, oh, well, there's a million games here. And it's that it's that first hit is free mentality of like, well, this was fine, oh, but I can buy a Series S for 250 bucks, which mm-hmm. is on sale right now. I think that's how they do it. And they, they expanded different countries where mobile is king. I mean, these are all things that are really important, but I don't know if you're going to talk to the Asian markets or anything for $15 a month just to play online. They're used to like, mobile free-to-play market model so there has to be some type of uh, option that's available that is enticing um and that it expands it kind of like i think game pass is underpriced in a lot of instances but it's done that to get num- members and it's getting people in the door and so they never leave so I-, I think that's where i would lean into it but maybe i'm wrong maybe it's um hardcore want to do that i know luna is a pretty interesting service at this point mm-hmm. um which is kind of uh, doing what and, and also geforce now um there's people that are playing GeForce now that are hardcore, Luke, that absolutely love it. They said this is so good. It's uh, all of my library anywhere I want it, and it's giving me 3080, you know, RTX 3080 performance, which is phenomenal. Um, so I think there's there's a happy medium. People want to play where they want to play. Um, you know, Switch owners can now play in the bathroom. I think everybody else wants to play in the bathroom too. <laughs> That's probably the only way you can do it. Well, we were we were traveling a few weeks ago, and I was playing Vampire Survivors in my car via cloud. Well, my wife drove, obviously, but like via cloud. So I was logged in to xCloud playing Vampire Survivors and getting achievements and just enjoying it. And that was awesome. Like I was having a blast and having a good time on a cloud-based service, and it was excellent. So I'm very curious whether or not uh, that is the future in, in the foreseeable future, is that the future in the next five years? Because I can see it, you know, in the future easily, 10, 15 years from now, no problem. Is it something that's going to happen in the next five years? And I have to think, yeah, I do think it's going to be uh, at this point, given the direction we're going. My question is, is that a good long term plan for Microsoft? What's the what's the move there? And maybe yes probably <laughs> if anybody knew they'd be a very rich man uh or woman uh because at this point yeah that where the gaming uh, you know focus is going to go uh we thought nintendo was dead in the water uh with the 3ds and wii u uh then we thought xbox was dead in the water and then game pass really changed their game we thought sony was going to dominate they continue to stumble 
with their marketing message, um, their their focus on not doing backwards compatibility always the right way. Their 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 online service is a hot mess, Luke. Um, I pay for it, but I rarely use it, and I never know what I'm going to get. And sometimes it's good games, but sometimes it's like they don't know how to manage their back catalog either. So um, I think it's up for grabs. I, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I think Xbox is better positioned uh, in terms of a technolo- technology state, whereas PlayStation has the catalog to do so. I will say, if as far as game preservation goes, uh, Microsoft has the legacy. If they can get it right in 2023 with their AAA releases, I'm in. I'm there. I want it. Let's go. Uh, I just don't know if they're ready themselves. So we'll see. Nonetheless, uh, Todd, let's move on to a different Game Pass game that launched day and date in and is doing record numbers, surprising me because I have not played this title and I don't know that I necessarily would have had this not been happening. High on Life, this, this title has caught a lot of people by storm, breaking the fourth wall left and right. Uh, It has reached the top four most played games on Xbox behind only Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Fortnite, and Grand Theft Auto V. That's pretty insane given that it's ahead of free-to-play titles like like Apex Legends, Roblox, and Overwatch 2. This is a super, super strong addition to Game Pass, it seems. Uh, Number one in cloud streaming, number two behind Minecraft on console, number two on PC behind Solitaire, which is just, you know, hilarious uh <laughs> engagement super high on a single player title i i gotta say did not see this happening i thought it would have flopped i thought it would have flopped it, it it is interesting because um it's got a couple of things going for it and against it because it is uh by a lot of the 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 mind trust behind rick and morty uh, which is a very popular, uh, you know, cartoon. It's got a big devoted following. It is pretty adult, though, and it is sometimes that humor pushes people away. They've got squanch games where they've got Trover Saves the Universe um, in the VR space, um, which people have really enjoyed. But then moving from that type of adventure game to a uh, f- first-person. Uh, kind of colorful comedic shooter where your weapons are screaming and it's 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 irreverent and the humor is still there in a very adult context. Um, I I think it, that's that's really important that it stands out and has a home to go to, and especially not having much competition on Xbox, um, you know, externally uh, or internally. I think that's great and have a game in December where um, you've got time to play probably now and it gives it a lot of. Um, um, breath, I guess, to be able to uh, show itself. And Xbox, I mean, and I don't know if Xbox is really, they've been highlighting this game quite a bit, I think, in their in their different communications about Game Pass and things like that. So um, I think that's a win for Xbox, to be honest. And that's great that they foresaw something there, highlighted it, and now it's coming out this year where it, it's giving this, this, this positive feeling, like you said, where it's ranked um, and what it means for that title. That's pretty awesome, and I really do want to try it out because we do we don't get many comedic action shooting games. Um, you probably don't remember a series called No One Lives Forever, um, or maybe you do, but that I, was a comedic. I the name. <laughs> well, that was like an Austin Powers spy first person shooter game, made by EA back in the day. That 
the rights are crazy. If somebody had the rights, they should really remake that game. But that was kind of the last one I really saw that really had that comedic take. And I think it's, it's great when you can pull it off and do it well. So I'm really going to, I'm going to try it out. That's on my list of games to play before the end of the year. Man. Well, it's on, it's on my list of to play at some point. And I just don't know where I'm landing on whether or not I want to dive in. Uh, it's, but but I'm getting a lot of people telling me that it's really good. I'm also seeing reviews saying not so much. That humor type is very hit or miss for me, and I'm just not sure I'm ready for it. But, I mean, from the time that we we're recording this to the next episode, I could have gone through it and beat it because it's a six-hour or so game uh, and had a blast. I just have other stuff that I want to, to finish. I really want to go back into Evil West. Uh, for sure. I really liked the beginning of that game and I just got deterred from other or distracted by other games derailed. And so I'm anxious to go back to that one. But high on life is one that thanks to game pass, I don't need to buy and I'm happier for it. I think. Yeah. I wish evil West had been on game pass because that's a game I truly do want to play. It just reminds me of a, a, a throwback game uh mm-hmm. that i really think i'll enjoy because of and it was funny because there was a uh vampire game on the ps2 and i'm blanking on the name of it but you were essentially killing you were a vampire and you had to kill other supernatural creatures and everything in a first person shooter and mm-hmm. so i think we've missed that kind of like goofy over the top it knows what it is just kick butt have fun it's kind of reminds me of that um uh that uh 40k game where you're a marine space marine kind of reminds me of that but in that kind of supernatural element so i i know you type you really are a fan of those type of b games i am as well Mm -hmm. when you find those ones that just click out with you and and that's a game i want to play it just kind of fell off my list gotcha gotcha yeah just video game ass games is i think the phrase that so many people say and that's where i stand on it as well for sure so I uh, I did note that this kind of is one of the biggest day one launches in in Game Pass history, kind of surpassing Persona 5 Royal, uh, which when it hit Xbox, it went into Game Pass right away. Plague Tale Requiem uh, and a few others, which I'm just I'm happy to see for sure, especially because it's a single player title. We're seeing a lot of single player games kind of making their return. And that is that is very much up my alley. Um, I one more news item here. Did you see the news that Tomb Raider uh, is getting another game by Crystal Dynamics, but it and will be published by Amazon and not Embracer? I did see that, and it's really interesting to me that that is what's going on with Embracer. Um, and someone had mentioned, might have been on the Jeff Grubb uh, Game Mess podcast, um, that essentially Embracer might be short on cash. They've spent so much money. They've had limited success with their acquisitions. And I think at this point, there, there may be, I guess, some feeling that maybe Embracer is looking to sell. And that's what that, that's why they acquired so much IP, because IP is king. I mean, and they've got a lot of IP that they own that I think a lot of people would love to see, especially Square Enix. I mean, uh, obviously, Xbox is in a position, or not Square Enix, but um, um, Crystal Dynamics. Um, they're not in a position to acquire them. And I, one time I thought they would because of the the partnership with uh, Perfect, or Perfect Dark. But um, I think this is a position where it might be leaning into Amazon, potentially, 
acquiring um, Embracer or parts of Embracer because Amazon wants to develop prod. Uh, they want to develop games based on the properties that they 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 start they're starting to acquire. Um, I don't know if it makes sense for Amazon to just simply publish games that they don't have an ownership and can do something with them. So I think that might be building that relationship, and you might hear more to come from that. But um, Amazon has money, and that's a good thing for Tomb Raider because it. I don't want to see it reduced in its quality. Um, because of a budget restriction, because Embracer may just not have the the liquidity to really fund a game. So, like, I'm, I'm this made me more excited, and potentially we could see a new Tomb Raider type property on Amazon um, through their streaming service through Amazon Prime. Maybe that's what they're going after. But I, I, I'm encouraged by this. I had mixed feelings for a couple reasons, mainly because I don't know how I feel about about. Uh, crystal dynamics any longer i mean i was a pretty avid avengers player for all the problems that that game had and it certainly has problems uh but i don't know how i feel about crystal dynamics any longer and that was a a strange kind of coming to terms with i did not know that i felt that way and yet here i am not happy about this and i'm not unhappy either i'm just surprised so you know take that for what you will i think uh my eyes will kind of just be on this watching from afar because crystal dynamics seems to be playing ball with everybody mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Like they're helping make perfect dark and such, but yeah, it is odd that embracer is not publishing it. It does make good points that, that they might just not have a ton of cash to do so. Uh, but curious to just watch it and stand back from afar. I like tomb Raider. I enjoyed the most recent trilogy. I do plan on playing it regardless of who's making it or whatnot, but uh, it was just strange for me to, to realize I'm not sure how I feel. So, I don't know. Yeah, the verdict's still out on that one. I guess we'll see how that transitions if there's more to it than just that partnership. Yeah, good point. Good point indeed. Alrighty, Todd, I think we should go ahead and get into just a couple of, couple listener questions before we depart for the holiday. Uh, this one comes from Mr. Dano. He says, what is the most elaborate or creative gift that you've ever given someone for their birthday or Christmas? Uh, I will answer this one first. Uh, Last year, or maybe it was the year prior, uh, I created a photo album of our dog for my wife, and uh, that was super, super cool uh, to just kind of create that one. And yeah, I'll take that. That was cool. Wow, tough question. It makes me think yeah. I'm a good gift giver. Um, <laughs> well, it, it wasn't the most elaborate, but I think it took the most planning. Uh, my wife turned 50 during the pandemic, uh, so we couldn't have a big party and get together. Um, I tried to play it down for my wife that like nothing was going to happen. We were just going to chill out. And I was able to arrange probably the biggest Zoom party I've ever been part of and and she was not even aware of I contacted every friend I probably violated a lot of uh, privacy issues on my wife phone to find people to contact and we had a fantastic gathering of people that loved my wife from you know family friends coworkers and she was just taken aback so I I, I felt so good that we were actually able to do that for her uh, considering how you know in November of 2020 the world was kind of a crappy place. We were tired of not being around loved ones. So to me, that felt like a, a real, a big win in, in a year that was not so much uh, a very bright spot. Good. That's awesome, man. I dig it. 
I dig it. Uh, let's see. Let's go with another question here. Uh, this one comes from Mr. Edward Varnell, who is always putting me on the spot with unique <laughs> questions. It says, do you think Xbox or do you think Microsoft has any major video game history to their name? Have they made something innovative? Other game companies have borrowed or imitated. <laughs> uh, Edward. Yeah, man. Uh, Xbox Live for sure uh, is absolutely uh, the the kind of the biggest one in video game history. Without Xbox Live, you wouldn't have had a ton of the console networking features that you now have, uh, especially even not just the service, but things like Party Chat. That existed via Xbox Live first uh, in the console space. I would also note that due to the first Halo uh, and then more, more aptly Halo 2, you had a first-person shooter on a console in a way that hadn't been done before. Uh, with all respect to Doom, which is a different type of FPS, it was the twin stick dual analog uh, controls of Halo that taught the industry. They did a ton of research into that uh, for sure. And then you also have to account Epic Games and the amount of research they did with Unreal and the work they continue to do with Unreal. They've got a lot of impact on the gaming industry. Flight Sim, Todd, I don't know if Flight Sim, you would count that one. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, Flight Sim... For some people who start their pilot career, it's their first path down that journey because it's so realistic. And 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 one my friend's uh, son is just is is getting his pilot license right now, and that is something that helped him on his journey. So yeah, absolutely, Flight Sim's been around forever. It's an evergreen franchise. Um, yeah, it's fantastic, and it's funny because Eddie always asks a lot of crazy questions. I've podcast with Eddie, so um, he's a Nintendo guy. Totally get it. Um, but, but Luke, you're absolutely right. The, the live services, um, the, the hard drive in the Xbox, it was the first one to ever do that. Um, it pushed the industry forward in so many different ways. It was, it was really the first challenger to, to PlayStation from that adult perspective. Um, and created some fantastic, uh, you know, franchises that still exist today. So of course they, they are and then game pass. Think about that. Game Pass is the future. It's not. It's not the end all, be all right now, but it is where we're going, and it'll improve just as as Xbox matures. Um, they they've they've invested in it and they made it. It's it's coming to fruition, and people. It's it's really democratized gaming for so many people because you can say, get here's an Xbox, and for twenty bucks a month you can play a billion games versus sixty dollars gets you one Nintendo game. That's a good point. That's a big point. As a very good point. Um, and yeah, Eddie does ask a lot of questions that I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> sir? What is this? Uh, you know, but I love it because it makes podcasting better. You know, it's creative and it's, it's interesting. Um, I will never understand Nintendo people though, bud. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I love Nintendo. I don't get it though. I don't get it. Does that make me a bad person? What do you think? No. No, absolutely. I I've been known to be the Nintendo guy um, at times, and and I and I feel like they they get away with certain things that others don't, but because they build up so much goodwill with their their core franchises, um, they're evergreen, and they do something that I wish Xbox and PlayStation did more of, and that's attract younger audiences because um, you can sell more titles like Minecraft. I mean, think about that. That sells to everybody. But a large part of Sony and Xbox's business is unfortunately mature. But I think Sea of Thieves is the right step. And I, I wish we got more of those, especially with Rare and, and other uh, and, and Double Fine now. I think we should see more all-ages titles because it doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means you're going to attract more people and entertain more people. That's a good point. Can't argue that in the slightest. In the slightest. Good point. Good point. 
All right, let's Todd. I think we have one more question. This one comes from Mr. Kevin Ainsworth over at uh, goodness gracious. I'm losing his podcast off the top. Man, he's at Save Game Media. I know that. Oh, Project X Talk. Goodness gracious. Uh, he wants to know one of our favorite holiday games. I said on last week's episode, Metal Gear Solid was always a favorite for me around the holidays. Holy cow. Good holiday game. That's a hard one. Um, you know, I'm going to this is going to be dumb, but I'm going to say Jackbox because it is a game I love playing with other people. Um, to me, that was the game that saved us in the pandemic playing with others. So I'll say Jackbox. I love party games. And to me, that's awesome. And it's on consoles and everything like that. So Jackbox. There you go. Cool. Well, Todd Oxtra, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, please, once again, let people know where they can find you. Uh, for my personal takes on uh, all things in the world of, of Twitter and just interacting with others, which I love, uh, go to you at Tioxtra. But where you really should check out our content at Secret Friends is secretfriendsunite.com and at Secret Friends U. We also have a Discord. It's a great discussion of all things nerd. We talk about cooking, uh, PC tech, uh, gaming, video games, comic books, whatever you like, and lots of goofy memes. So definitely love to add more people to that uh, group because we always have a good time. There we go. And guys, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive at InsipidGhost. Uh, and I might even make a TikTok. Who knows? Please follow the show over on YouTube. I've been putting out YouTube shorts here and there. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas should you celebrate. Happy holidays. And uh, if I don't see you until the new year, happy new year. Take care.